mm. Well, and the thing said that that is one way to overcome our fears. If we're truly compassionate about the person and you, you don't want them to go to hell and you want to share your faith and that comes across and if people you know the old saying people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care and if they know you care um, and so that that is that is huge and and the other thing here it says about overcoming our fears is not just the genuine love but uh, even in this chapter it says something about let your shaking knees you know, your nervous shaking knees drive you to your knees to pray. And uh, and so I earnestly try to do that. Like, Lord, help me because I'm scared too. All of us are a little bit scared to share our faith in some way. And uh, what, what were you going to say, Kevin? Uh, I got to share uh, the gospel a little bit this week. And uh, actually, I was, there was an 18-year-old girl that I work with. She welds. And, uh, wow. She came up to me and she said that I was a real encouragement uh, when she sees me, you know, how I act, what I listen to, stuff I say. I gave her an armor of God coin and stuff like that. And she she said mm. that she wanted to get right with God, that she wanted to learn how to pray. Wow. So I, I showed her the place in the Bible that, uh, you know, shows us how to pray, you know. Like the Lord's Prayer? Like the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. And then uh, so later on that week... Uh, she, I seen her storm off crying, you know, huh. just ran. And I was like, you know, I messaged her, I messaged her. I was like, what's up? You know, what happened? And she huh. said that her boyfriend tried to commit suicide. She lives with her boyfriend. And uh, the cops were all at her house and, wow. and stuff like that. And I said, well, this would be a prime time for you to share your faith with him. Hmm. And I gave her a track that she could use. That was perfect. Wow, that's that's good. So so all of all of us have a network of people that only we can reach. I, I believe, um, you know, uh, some of you know I, w- I went to Russia on a mission trip, and I was there in two thousand and one. Uh, on 9-11, I was there on 9-11. I was in Russia. We were going door to door, giving, trying to give the gospel. We, we, we were giving New Testament Bibles. And uh, I'll never forget, you know, we, we were on a dirt road. This was, I think this was after 9-11. We, we, we were there for eight days after that. And uh, so we were on a dirt road, and there's this lady with her sheep, I think everything's kind of government owned so people just kind of herd their sheep and she was probably older than me and she's out in this pasture with her sheep and so we I said come on uh, Mike let's go witness to this lady and so we're we're on a dirt road in Russia in literally the uttermost part of the earth and uh, we took our translator we have a girl that's a translator so there's three of us walked out to this lady and her sheep and uh, she's sitting down in the grass, and and so we try to share our faith with her, and she, she goes, knit, knit, like no. And she gets in her bag, and she's got this old, worn-out New Testament. She's a Christian, oh, cool. and I'm just, and so so she begins trying to rejoice with us, and we don't know her language, but there's just kind of instant unity, and so God has His people in all corners of the earth, and and I believe that. And um, anyway, that's just kind of a, of a story. But so um, one of the things that I remember, and so I don't know how you pray, but uh, you know that the Holy Spirit uh, came to. Uh, I think this is in uh, lesson uh, four of the Holy Ghost in our discipleship, but. Uh, what what is it in in, in John? Uh, he, he came to reprove the world of sin, of judgment, and uh, righteousness. 
Huh? Is this a candy bar? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, should, it should be. I do good just to teach. So I don't. I have candy in the kitchen for life issues. All right. Go grab some. Okay. Destiny just shared something with me a second ago. Uh, in front of Caleb's house there, I guess uh, a young man committed suicide. Yeah. This weekend, Caleb uh, Parrot. Yeah, right there off the square. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, we, it was um, it was around like uh, eight or nine at night, and mm. his whole family. It was in front of his family's house. Oh my god! Mm. I don't know anything. Huh. They wouldn't tell us anything, mm. but we heard from uh, Caleb Gilmore that that's what happened. Mm. Well, uh, it could be Second Peter three nine that I'm thinking that the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, so as you pray for the lost, or as you pray for someone you're trying to witness to, you're actually praying the Lord's will. God, God's not willing that any should perish. So, as you're witness, it, it helped me for somebody to just point this out one time. You know you're praying God's will when you're praying for this person to be saved, right? Yeah. You, you, you are. It's God's will for them to be saved, and so He sends uh, messengers to share the gospel. That is uh, the glad tidings that that they can be saved, and that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man cometh unto the Father but by Him. So we're going to watch this. Uh, let me ask you this: What 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 are your excuses for not sharing your faith? What are some excuses? We said fear. I get busy. We're too busy. That that's kind of one I think of. Is, I just don't have time. I think you can pick any excuse. Okay. Any excuse out there, and you can yeah. use against you. So, so Jim has encouraged us to track up and have some tracks, and uh, it's been helpful for me just to have some. Uh, I, I put some in my pickup now, and so it, it's uh, prompted me to be more active. And so, so do those things. Grab, grab some tracks today. Gosh, we have skills and starbursts. Uh, a lot of people they make lists of like to do lists for the day. Yeah. You could add that on your to-do list. Yeah, you and then, could. And then you think of the Nike switch and just do it. Yeah. So you get to check it off with a little Nike switch. <laughs> there you go. So just do it. That's yeah. good. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to... Yeah, so I think those were fear, no time, or maybe just lazy. Uh, really? We we all got... <laughs> so, anyway, don't be a slugger. So, you, so you, do have, you do have to be intentional. Rather, you be prepared by having tracks or be intentional of thinking of others. So, all right. Well, we're going to... Uh, Connie, I'll probably have you shut the light off once I get this uh, video going. And uh, this is a 35 minute, so this will take us all the way up to 10 o'clock. So here we go. Deal with your fears. Spoken of the necessity of having a deep love for the lost, of the importance of prayer. We've demonstrated how to use God's law to bring the knowledge of sin and show someone they need a Savior. So how are you going to handle it the next time you find yourself in a situation where you're talking to a non-Christian friend or family member or a co-worker or even a stranger and you're having a great time and it's a perfect opportunity to share your faith. So you swallow your fears, you bring up the subject of God, but then what? What do you say? What questions do you ask? And how do you make sure you don't get lost down some rabbit trail? So what do you do? This lesson will help you. We'll show you how to jump in and navigate through a whole conversation. It's simple. You can do it. So watch closely and don't let anything distract you. Welcome to the 
Now, you'll find there's a common thread running through them, and that's the thread of biblical evangelism. The reason God revealed himself to humanity in Jesus Christ was to destroy the power of the grave. That's why God became a man, to destroy death. And we've been given an awesome responsibility to seek and save that which is lost with the message of eternal life. And what we want to do is do it properly. Jesus warned that many on that day would say to him, Lord, Lord. And he said, apart from your workers of iniquity. And the principles that we've been teaching, the principles of law to the proud and grace to the humble. We use God's law to the proud to humble them, bring the knowledge of sin, and the gospel is taken to those who are humble heart. And so that's the principle. Now this episode is very unique in that Ray happens to think that it might be completely unnecessary. So... We've decided to go ahead with the episode because when Ray talks about sharing his faith, he encourages people to just dive in, sink or swim kind of an attitude, and let instinct kick in, kick in either instinct or panic, and you'll learn how to do it one way or another. My personal preference is to put my toe in the water and have someone take me by the hand and show me step by step what to do. That makes me a little bit more comfortable and more confident. Whatever way we do it, whether you be toe first or head first, let's do it because people are going to hell. There's a sense of urgency. That's right. So we've boiled the method of sharing your faith that Jesus used down to four simple steps, four stepping stones to get you through a witnessing conversation easily and effectively. If you can remember the letters WDJD, you can find your way through a conversation with somebody. You'll always know where you are in the conversation, and you won't get lost. You won't be at a loss for words. You don't need to understand Greek or study archaeology. All you need to do is remember four simple points, and you're on your way. Would you like to do that? If so, let's get started. Come on. Let's do it. stepping stones across the scary waters of personal evangelism. That is, sharing his faith with a non-Christian. Kirk, what are you doing hiding behind that bush? I'm scared! You're scared? I've, I've never done this before. I'm nervous. Lay your light shine before me and don't hide it under a bushel. Folks, most of us are scared when it comes to personal evangelism. If you're hiding behind a bush or in the cave of inferiority, let me tell you a secret. I had an inferiority complex before I was a Christian. I was called beetroot face in school. I would go red at the drop of a hat. But when you're a Christian, you've been commissioned to take the gospel of everlasting life to a world that's in the shadow of death. I mean, the issue is so important. We can't afford to hide behind a bush. Kurt, say this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, you can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, now come out from behind that bush. Christ your strength. Okay, so I just, uh, what, start talking to people, learn to be friendly? Yeah, and, and just say to yourself, the righteous are as bold as a lion. Speak the word of God. Let it get into your heart and believe it. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Now, all you have to do is practice being friendly to people. Say hello to strangers. I do it all the time. And you'll get a fright. You know what strangers will say to you? They'll say hello back. They'll warm to your warmth. Okay, practice being friendly. Practice being friendly. Hi, how you doing? Yeah, that's it. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, beautiful day. Wow. Love that's fresh air. Yeah, you've come out of your bush. Now, now what you've got to do is swing to the things of God. How do I do that? Well, you can do it many ways. You can say to someone, excuse me, is, is there any good churches around this area? You've got to deliberately mention the things of God. Now, remember, the person's eternal welfare is at stake. The worst that can happen to you is a sense of rejection. So someone says, don't want to talk. That's all that can happen. Okay, so I'm talking with a family member or a stranger, strike up a conversation, and I bring up the things of God. Uh, hey, you know any good churches around here? Or you could say, uh, did you get one of these? And just use a gospel track. And as you give it to them, you say, it's a gospel track. You've deliberately brought up the things of God. It'll take courage, but remember, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a step you've got to take. Okay, so I'm not going to wait for them to bring it up. I'm going to deliberately bring up the things of God with a track. Because you care about them. Because I care about them, okay? Yeah. yeah. Uh, like this. Yeah, Where's my gospel track? It's a million dollar bill. Yeah. Um, 
I'm really nervous, but yeah. I'm going to do this. Yeah, we know you're nervous. You're not going to die, Kurt. Okay. The person is not going to kill you. You're not going to be burned at the stake or stoned to death. So you can do it. Okay, here we go. Let love swallow your fears. Okay. Hey. Take the step. Hey, how you doing? Oh, great. Hey. Hey, did you get one of these? It's, uh, yeah, it's really cool. It's a million-dollar bill. And on the back, it has a gospel message. That's it.
What does that make you? A liar. You have stolen something. Yep. What does that make you? <laughs> a thief. Okay. Um, have you ever told a lie before? Oh, yeah. Okay. So if you've told a lie, what does that make you? A sinner. But more specifically, what does it make you? I broke one of God's commandments. Right. Well, if I murder someone, I'm called a murderer, right? Yeah. And if I lie, right, right. That's right. Even something small. Yeah, when I was younger, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you've stolen something, what does that make you? It makes you a thief. That's right. You got the idea. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, now, Jesus said, you've heard that it was said of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, whoever looks upon a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Not no more. But I have. <laughs> and Jesus said, whoever looks at a woman and lusts after her has committed adultery already with her son. Mm-hmm. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? No. Are you a homosexual? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I looked at, you know what I'm saying, women, but, yeah, I looked at women, yeah. Okay, so you were lying to me. Yeah, I was. <laughs> you were told a lie. Yes. What does that make you? That makes me a person who has told a lie. Now, why did I tell a lie? And are we classifying the lie with, there's so-called white lies and bigger lies. If it's a lie told not to hurt someone else or to protect someone else from being hurt, yes. Let's put it this way. If I tell a lie, what would you call me? You would have to be a liar. That's it. So what are you? I'm a liar. Have you ever stolen something? (laughs) Yes, I have stolen something. What does that make you? A thief. Have you ever used God's name in vain? Yes, I have. Have you ever told a lie? Yeah, everyone's told a lie. So what does that make you? I guess it makes me a bad person. Now, what are you called if you tell a lie? A liar. Have you ever stolen something? Yeah. What does that make you? A thief. Have you ever used God's name in vain? Yeah. It's called blasphemy when you use God's name as a cuss word. And here's the fourth one. Jesus said, if you look at a woman and lust after her, you commit adultery with her in your heart. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Sure, I have. Okay, yeah, probably. Okay, have you ever told a lie? Sure. What does that make you? A liar. You ever stolen something? Yes. What does that make you? A thief. Have you ever used God's name in vain? Yes. It's called blasphemy. And Jesus said, if you look with lust, you commit adultery in your heart. Oh, there's a lot of hot men over here. (laughs) Kim, by your own admission, you're embarrassing me. Sorry. (laughs) All right, I'm feeling good. What's the next step? Next step is J. So take the step. It's, It's judgment. If God was to judge you by the Ten Commandments, do you think you'd be innocent or guilty? Okay, you can do it. Okay. So, if God were to judge you by the Ten Commandments, do you think you'd be innocent or guilty? That's it. Okay? It's just a little step, but a very important one. Now, most people are going to say, well, I'd be guilty, but I don't think God's really going to judge me like that. So well, then what do I say? Well, they may say, look, look, you know, my God's a God of love and mercy, and God's not going to judge me for my mistakes. And what you've got to do is show them they're not violating the second of the Ten Commandments, which says you should not make yourself a graven image. You should not make a God to suit yourself, either with your hands or your mind. So what I'll do is try and shape a God to suit their sins. My God would never judge me. So just tell them that's called idolatry. And you can say, I did that before I was a Christian, which I did personally. I, I created a God to suit myself. So if a guy says he doesn't believe in judgment day and that God's going to judge him, just say, well, you're creating a God that's a false God, one that you're more comfortable with. And that's another violation of the commandments. It makes makes sense that God would punish murder. And I can just say to him, if God judged you by the Ten Commandments, like the Bible says, would you be innocent or guilty? Right. Some people say they'll be innocent. Some people say they'll be guilty. But if someone says, I'll be innocent, say, come on, you've just admitted to me you're a lying, thieving, adulterate heart. Obviously you'd be guilty. And the Bible says you'd be guilty. Your conscience says you'd be guilty. So be reasonable. Be honest. Okay, so he admits, all right, yeah, I'd be guilty if God judged me by that standard. If God judges you by the Ten Commandments, Courtney, bearing in mind that you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, adulterate heart, <laughs> and you've committed murder in your heart, do you think you'd be innocent or guilty? Probably guilty. So on Judgment Day, do you think you'd be innocent or guilty? Guilty. Would you be innocent or guilty based on the Ten Commandments? I'd be guilty. Do you think you'd be innocent or would you be guilty of breaking his Ten Commandments? I would be guilty of breaking 
any number of the Ten Commandments as, as, as much as everybody else on this earth is. So when that day comes, do you think you'd be innocent or guilty? Innocent. By your own admission, you're a lying, thieving, adulterer at heart, and a murderer at heart. So if God judges you by the Ten Commandments on the Day of Judgment, do you think you'd be innocent or guilty? Guilty. Okay, next step, last step, D, destiny. Will you go to heaven or hell? Because they're the only two options. Would you go to heaven or hell? Yeah, okay. that sounds scary, but it's not. You're just asking the question. You're not saying you go to hell or anything judgmental like that. You're asking him. Okay, so, uh, all right, so in light of the fact that you've broken the commandments, you'd be guilty uh, in God's eyes. Do you think that you'd go to heaven or hell? That's it. Now, you may slip in. You may get your feet wet. Don't, don't fall into it. All right. <laughs> You may slip off your rock, and he may get you sidetracked. Yeah, like if he says, well, look, I don't believe in hell. Yeah, well, what about evolution? Or the, yeah, I don't believe the, the Bible is the word of God. Just don't take any notes. Get back up on your stepping stones. Stay hell. on my rock. Yeah, just say, just, if God judged you and you were guilty, do you think you'd go to heaven or hell? Just get back to that question. Yeah, that's only if. You're just surmising. Right. Yeah. Okay, and the guy says, well, if that was the case, then I guess I'd go to hell. And then say... Does that concern you? That really concerns me. So what do you think is your ultimate destiny, heaven or hell? Me, hell. Would you go to heaven or hell? Probably hell. Where would you spend eternity? Eternity would be hell. I died right now. Would you go to heaven or hell? Hell. If God judges you by the Ten Commandments and the Day of Judgment, you'll be guilty. Would you go to heaven or hell? It's a very important question. To hell? We know the Ten Commandments are right. It's wrong to murder, wrong, wrong to kill, lie, steal, commit adultery. I mean, God's law is written in our hearts. We're given a conscience. And it makes sense that God should judge humanity. What would you think of a judge in Florida to turn a blind eye to the workings of the mafia? He's a corrupt judge. And if God is good, he must bring murderers to justice. He must bring liars and thieves and adulterers and fornicators. And if it admits that you're a lying, thieving, adulterer at heart, you're in big trouble. The Bible makes it clear you go to hell, and that should greatly concern you. You yeah. don't lose your soul, your life. So, is that when I share the gospel with him? Well, all you do is watch his mouth. If someone keeps justifying themselves and saying, I'm a really good person, then you need to bring out the law again and say, Lord, if you keep justifying yourself, you'll never see God's mercy. If you don't admit your guilt, you won't see God's forgiveness. You've got to be honest. Stop trying to cover your tracks. Just say, okay, I've broken the commandments. I need God's forgiveness. When someone says that, then they're ready for the gospel. Okay. So I might be on this rock for a little while if they're dancing around and wiggling around saying, I don't believe in hell. I, I just don't think that's the way it's going to go down. And I just plead with them and I say, come on. Listen, whether you believe in it or not, the truth is uh, that there is a place of punishment, and, and if you just admit that you're guilty before God and you need His forgiveness, then uh, I can tell you how you can find that forgiveness. If someone wisely once said, if you, if, if you haven't got tears in your eyes, let them hear the tears in your voice. Yeah, I should you plead say, with them. You say, man, I don't want you to go to hell. That would be a terrible thing. I'm not lying to you. This is the gospel truth. I don't want your money. I'm not saying join a church. I'm saying just please. You know, consider your eternal salvation. What's going to happen to you after you die? Yeah, and I could ask him, what if you're wrong and you find out that there there is a, a God of justice and there is a hell? Man, I don't want you to perish. Consider my motives. I really care about you. God's offering his, his forgiveness to you, but it's on the condition that you humble yourself and be honest about your sin. Right. And so when the mouth is started, you detect humility or openness. And anyway, then, then the green light's there. Give them the gospel. Magnify the love of God in Jesus Christ. Right. God became a person, suffered and died on the cross, took the punishment for your sins. He was bruised for our iniquities. God commended his love toward us, and that while we get sinners, Christ died for us. That's right. That, then I can share with them John 3.16. Yeah. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's like, think of it. Your greatest fear, the fear of death. You can be released of that. And your greatest enemy, the power of death, has been dealt with by the God who gave you life through the death and resurrection of the Son of God. And explain to them what they should do. That they should respond. Don't just confess your sins to God. Say, confess and forsake them. That's called repentance. And don't just believe in Jesus. Trust in Him as you trust the parachute to save you. 
So if the guy's humble, if I can see that he understands he needs God's forgiveness, I can share the gospel, the good news. If he's still cussing me out, or if he's still uh, blaspheming and saying, I don't need God's forgiveness, I'm a good person, I take him back through the law and show him the seriousness of his sin and say, man, the penalty for your sin is death and hell. And I don't want that to happen to you. Please be reasonable and think about this. Yeah, and pray for conscience. Him. Pray for him. Because and pray for him. Yes, yeah, God that will save him. But if I have the privilege of seeing him broken before the Lord, I can say, man, God provided a way for you to be forgiven and share the gospel. Amen. That sounds great. Yeah. That reminds me of the book of Acts. Yeah. You did it, Kurt. The four stepping stones. WDJD. You had a structure. Okay, and then... I'm home free. I'm home free. The gospel. Your conscience is, is rest easy. Okay. So there they were. The four points that will lead you through any witnessing conversation with somebody. W-D-J-D. Now, an important question comes up at this point. Once you've shared the gospel with someone, is it important to close the deal? Is it important to make sure that you get that decision and lead them through the sinner's prayer? Right? Let me ask you. Do you think it's biblical to do that? Well, one concept is biblical, but one concept non-biblical. It's just not really in the Bible. No. Um, doesn't mean it's wrong, but it's not there either. You don't yeah. find a person doing that. Here's a thought that I have. Um, if a man's committed adultery and his wife's willing to take him back, should I have to lead him in an apology? Dear wife, dear wife, I'm sorry for sleeping with that woman. I'm sorry for... Now, that's silly. Now, all she wants is for him to spill from his heart that he's sorry. The words don't matter. And the same with God. It's like David. Like King David in Psalm 51 where David said, uh, cleanse me of my sin. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. Uh, wash me clean of my transgressions. I don't think Nathan the prophet led him through that prayer to God. It just came out of his heart. And the same with a sinner. If conviction is there from the Holy Spirit, you can't stop the guy from going to the Lord and pleading with him for forgiveness and a new heart. So you could say to him, you may like to pray now, and I'll pray with you afterwards, whatever. Yeah, or go home, find a quiet place, and repent, confess and forsake your sin, and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Call me, I'd love to answer any questions that you have. And then be a friend and see how he's doing. Call him and uh, make sure that he's got all of his questions answered. And also, ask him if he's got a Bible. That's right. Feed on the Word of God daily and obey what you read. You'll never go wrong if he does that. Another point to really uh, make sure that you've got down is to understand the tone of your voice when you're speaking to someone about serious things like sin and God's judgment and hell. You don't want to have this judgmental attitude and say things like this. Well, do you think you're a good person? Or do you think you've kept the Ten Commandments? Huh? You want to watch your body language. Remember, you're not trying to... to uh, uh, argue and, and beat on this person. No, you're going to them in compassion. It's more the tone of, a, of a, a desperate plea with someone to get honest and get real before the Lord. You're not like a prosecuting attorney. You want to be like a compassionate doctor who wants to rescue someone from a terminal disease. And remember, practice, practice, practice. Practice what you preach. Everything you've learned in life is a practice. I mean, you practice to ride a bike. You had to practice to use a spoon when you're a little child. You had to practice to walk. And it's the same with evangelism. Practice on somebody. When a telemarketer calls you, practice on him. You know, if you blow it, you can say, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, I've got to go now. Just hang up. But practice on someone. Look in the mirror. Get used to hearing your own voice. Say things like, would you consider yourself to be a good person? And the more you practice that, the more you're going to feel comfortable saying it and say, I can do this. This is not that hard. I can actually do this. Practice with your friend, with another Christian. And then speak to the people you care about. Try to speak to a stranger. It's actually easier to share your faith with someone you don't know than with someone you do know. So, uh, go to the website, study these things, learn them really, really well, get a hold of the Evidence Bible, it'll give you all kinds of tips, uh, verses that you can use, analogies that you've heard in this program that will help you to explain the justice of God, the existence of hell, and the seriousness of getting right with God. Remember, it's www.wayofthemaster.com. We have also crafted an acronym to help you remember the essential points of the gospel itself. So after you've taken someone through WDJD, how do you present the important points of God's love? Well, the word, the acronym we've come up with is the word CRAFT. 
And we chose this because of its definition. The dictionary says craft is skill in doing or making something as in the arts. And we know that as Christians, our craft is to share the gospel. We need to be skillful and be master craftsmen at sharing the most important of messages. So again, this acronym is the word CRAFT. CRAFT has a large C and a small C. The small C is inside the large C. The large C stands for the word CONCERN. And that's the big question. Is the person concerned about their eternal destiny? So what do you think is your ultimate destiny, heaven or hell? Me, hell. Does that concern you? Oh, yeah. Now, does that concern you? Well, not really. <laughs> don't even think about it? So you don't, you don't mind if you, you go to hell for eternity? Not really. Eternity will be hell if I died right now. <laughs> now, that should greatly concern you. And it does. Well, what are you going to do about it? Get right. Well, how do you do that? Get saved. So, how do you get saved? You repent and be baptized. And for the remission of your sins. For your faith in Jesus. Yes. Well, why didn't you do that today? What's still? You know, that's a very good question. Would you go to heaven or hell? Hell. Now, does that concern you? Yeah. I mean, it should terrify you to think that if you die, you know, right now, if your heart gave out or a car hit you or someone got out a gun, that you, you'd go to hell for eternity. It's a terrible thing. And you're without excuse because God gave you a conscience. If God judges you by the Ten Commandments and the Day of Judgment, you'll be guilty. Would you go to heaven or hell? It's a very important question. To hell? Uh-huh. Now, does that concern you? Yeah. I mean, it should terrify you to think that if a car came off the road here, killed you, you go to hell for eternity. That's a terrible thing to happen to anyone. The smaller C stands for the cross and obviously the resurrection. Then the RAF is repentance and faith. And then T is truth. The person needs to be steered toward the scriptures. So you've taken someone through WDJD. They now say their eternal destiny is hell. So the big question is, does that concern them? If it doesn't concern them, they need to be awakened. They need to become concerned. And you can show them how they need to be concerned by relating what we call the I analogy. Watch this. Let me ask you this. If a doctor came up to you and said, we're doing these experiments, we're collecting human eyeballs, and you happen to have the perfect set, here's what we'll do. We'll take one of your eyes, whichever one of your choice, right one, left one, you have one hidden, we don't know about, we'll take that one too. We'll replace it with a glass eye that looks exactly like your other eye, except of course you can't see through it, you'll be blind on one side. And we'll give you a million dollars cold cash, and you won't feel you won't feel a thing. Would you do it? Um... A million dollars, one of your eyes. You won't look funny because you'll have a glass eye that looks the same. You think you'd do it? Well, it depends on which one they take because I can't see out of one of them enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're, you're right. You know what? I'll answer that, Don. Would you do it? I, uh, I wouldn't do it. You would. What if they offered you $100 billion for both your eyes? I wouldn't do it. Because your eyes are precious to you, right? Yeah. Now, this is the one thing that people oftentimes consider, and I want to ask you if you've considered this. If people's eyes are worth more to them than all the money in the world, shouldn't their soul that looks out of these eyes by using them as windows be even more valuable? Yes, it should. Then if the person is concerned about their eternal destiny, you take them to the cross. Explain to them how Christ died for their sins, that he rose again on the third day. Then repentance. That means to turn from all sin, not just confess your sin, but confess and forsake it. And faith, not just a belief, but a trust in Jesus, like you trust a parachute. And then when they do that, repent and put their faith in Jesus, they'll be saved. And then point them toward the scriptures, the truth of God's word. That's where you find the truth of God's word in the Bible. Tell them to read the Bible daily and obey what they read. Now, does that concern you? Yeah. I mean, it should terrify you to think that if a car came off the road here, killed you, you go to hell for eternity. That's a terrible thing to happen to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> you know what God did so you wouldn't have to go to hell? No. You've got no idea? That he sent his son, born of a woman, to die on the cross. Take yeah, I know that. It's for our sins. Yeah. Jesus died. Sins. He took yeah. the punishment for your sins. All that blasphemy, the lying, the stealing, the lust, the hatred. All of God's anger came upon him so that you could go free. Yeah. That's how much God loves you. 
God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. A substitutionary death. You broke God's law and okay. Jesus paid your fine. Now you know what God requires of you? To follow his Ten Commandments. No, that won't help. You've already broken them. <laughs> you know what you need to do? No. You've got to repent, that is, turn from your sins, and put your trust in Jesus Christ. And the moment you do that, God will forgive every sin you've ever committed and grant you everlasting life. You know the song Amazing Grace? Yeah. Do you know the words? Not by heart, but well, I know. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Grace is God's favor, his mercy. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. So the only thing that can save you from hell and death is the grace of God, His mercy. So there you have it. WDJD and craft. That's your structure. Now at this point, you may be feeling like that's a bit hard to remember, but by the time you finish this course, it won't be. You should have been given a little card with WDJD written on it Oops. and craft. <laughs> this is something you can practice, you can refresh your memory, you can even use it when you're witnessing. And I'll give you a little acting tip that helps me to remember my lines when I'm doing a part, and it'll help you too. Learn to listen to what the other person is saying. See, you don't want to just think of two lines to my line, one line to my line, my line. Then what you say comes out like a canned speech. You want it to be natural. So listen to what they're saying. And if they're saying to you, yeah, it concerns me that, that I would go to hell if I died tonight, that should naturally trigger your memory to cause you to say, well, let me tell you what God did so you wouldn't have to go to hell and tell them about the cross. So be a good listener. It'll help you know what point to make next. Next week, we're going to look at the top 10 questions and objections asked by non-Christians. Questions like, like, what about those people in the deepest jungles of Africa who've never heard about Jesus? What about them? Or, I don't believe the Bible is full of fairy tales. Or, what about all the suffering? That proves there's no God, no loving God. Or how about this one? When people say, it's intolerant for you to say Jesus is the only way to heaven. There's many paths that lead to God. Or how about if somebody says to you, ah, 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 you shouldn't be judging me. After all, Jesus said, judge not, lest you be judged. We're going to show you how to answer these questions simply, effectively. And we're not just going to tell you, we're going to show you in real life where the rubber meets the road. So make sure you're here with us. That's pretty good, isn't it? Hey, let's all grab your Bible right now. And we're, we're going to look at uh, 2 Samuel. We've got uh, 15 minutes here. I'll get my microphones back on. That was good, wasn't it? Yeah. And th- uh, honestly, I think... I think I've told uh, most of you that this is probably my third time through the way of the master and uh, you know as a pastor I have some people who come to me so in in some ways it's a little bit easier I mean I have example I have opportunities to uh, to do these things that they're talking about but even though he's given us this acronym, we, we all kind of have to make it ours, and so we, we uh, you know, don't don't be afraid to have some liberty. That you know, uh, uh, historically, I think most of us have probably used like the Romans Road and uh, all of sin and comes short of the glory of God. Well, well, what this does, it helps explain what sin is, and the Bible says sin is a transgression of the law, and so that's why they're so adamant about walking through the law and have you sinned or have you lied have you stolen have you committed adultery in your heart by lusting so those are uh, uh, part of the uh, the uh, 
Roman road, really. And and so I don't know if you saw this week, but the the verse, the memory verse, was uh, Romans five eight. Uh, but God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So that that was our memory verse this week, uh, Romans five eight. And so even though uh, the wages of sin is death, we we deserve death. Christ died for us, so it's that substitutionary. But uh, look at Second Samuel. This is an example out of our Old Testament. Uh, and th- this is the passage where the prophet Nathan uh, confronted David about his sin. And uh, let me let me give you a cool fact from the Old Testament. Uh, I think I think everybody has probably heard of Nathan the prophet. But what you may not know is David had a son that he also named Nathan. I believe David named one of his sons after the prophet Nathan. And so it's kind of a cool story because uh, that's that's where uh, uh, the Virgin Mary, the, the, the wife of, of uh, Joseph, uh, Mary's genealogy traces back to Nathan, the son of David. And uh, Joseph, uh, the uh, the husband of Mary, uh, traces his uh, genealogy back to Nathan through the kingly line, through Solomon. And so, uh, anyway, just kind of some uh, some neat things about uh, Nathan, the, the name. So we're going to read uh, twelve. We're going to read fourteen verses here, and then talk about them. Second Samuel chapter twelve, verse one. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb which he had brought or which he had bought and nourished up and it grew up together with him and with his children he did eat of his own meat or it did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter and there came a traveler unto the rich man and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said unto said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because it because he did this thing and because he had no pity and so nathan the prophet tells this story and it would be horrendous for uh uh you know uh Emmett and and uh, pammer farmers here but if if you only had you know one cow or whatever and you've had it for years and you nurtured it like in your own home and uh, for me, uh, I, I think before I uh, left the farm, I had 30 head of cows. And uh, But for me to think about going and slaughtering his cow, the one and only he had, when I had 30 or say I had 1,000, you know, that would be unthinkable. And uh, so it, it angered David to hear this, that why would this rich man take this poor guy's one and only sheep and kill it? Uh, he he should be punished and he should restore fourfold. And then in verse 7, this famous line, And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the... And, and, and why did he do that? Uh, Kevin, you knew what I was going to say. Why did... Why is David the man in this story? Because he uh, had slept with Bathsheba. Yes, he he took another man's wife and then killed the husband and had the husband killed. Yeah, yeah it, it's and and so so Nathan the prophet in his wisdom. Now tell me tell me this. Do you think Nathan was scared when God tapped him? You know, hey Nathan, I know I need you to go tell the king of the known world that he's this sinful person. Yeah. And so 
he kind of he kind of put it in. Uh, you know, David, do you consider yourself a good person? <laughs> you know, do you think you've kept the Ten Commandments? And now it's kind of getting close to home. And by the way, that thou art the man, David. He'd be immediately convicted. But yeah, David was convicted. Yeah, right after he did it. Well, yes, he he did. He was. Uh, and verse eight. They tried to cover it up. Uh, oh, verse 7 again. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man, thus saith the Lord God of Israel. I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. And then he says, Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord? And uh, I believe that's a direct reference to uh, number 7, Thou shalt not commit adultery. And uh, I think it's number 8, Thou shalt not kill. And so, David, you've despised the Lord's, you've broken his law. Uh, thou hast despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon now now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife thus saith the Lord behold I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house and I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son S-U-N for thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. And and I'll stop right there. So uh, I'm sure David was humbled by this. And so, uh, you know, remember it said law to the proud, but grace to the humble. And I know some of you didn't watch this video, but so as we, you know, people say, yeah, I'm a good person. And then you give them the law. And if they do humble themselves, then you give them grace. Then you give them the good news, the gospel. And so that's kind of what happens here in verse 13. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. I'm a sinner. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord hath also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. So under the law, if you commit adultery, or even if you kill somebody, you should be killed by, by the shedding of blood, shall your blood be shed, uh, capital punishment. But God gave him mercy. And uh, I don't know if it's in this chapter, but there's a couple times it calls the, the mercies of David or the sure mercies of David. So because David's uh, heart was humbled and he confessed, uh, God, I am a sinner. And uh, maybe that would be good homework this week to read Psalm 51 where David says, you know, God against thee and thee only have I sinned. It's a good example of quote-unquote a sinner's prayer. Um, And now in verse 14, How be it because of this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Uh, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. So uh, when David committed adultery with Bathsheba, she became pregnant and uh, their their child ended up uh, dying uh, not long after it was born. And so there was consequences to that, but yet he was forgiven. He was he was reinstated into a fellowship with, with God. And uh, But anyway, I, I just wanted to read, because in a way, Nathan is following what, what we're saying here. Here, isn't he? Uh, is any any other thoughts on this? We only got a couple minutes left. Uh, any thoughts about this story or about the video we watched? If you read further into that story, what's amazing about God's grace is He had another son with Bathsheba that became the wisest. Yes. So, far. so His grace 
can cover a lot. People cover everything, mm-hmm. and people miss that a lot. They they get stuck in their own shame and sin. Yeah, they miss that grace that God has for them. Well, and you know, uh, all of us, uh, probably all of us, struggle with lust, and so I'm just you know thankful God included the story of Bathsheba in the Bible. You know, David, the the mighty man of God and King of Israel that he was. Uh, God allows us to see his flaws and his issues. That that should give all of us hope, right? Uh, like you're saying, yeah, they lost a son. And, and, and when you read that David's wives are going to be slept with in, in the sight of all Israel, that happened too. Uh, he, Whenever he was on the run from Absalom, uh, his wives were in this tent. And, and, and Absalom went into his father's wives. I think it was Absalom. That's his son. Yeah, his son and a different son. Yeah, he loses four boys. Yeah, he ended up losing four boys, so he kind of restored fourfold that life he took of Uriah. That's that's a good point. Um, anyway, yeah. So 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 God's law is true, and uh, His word is sure. And but I, I'm just you know in in Acts 13 the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart, and I believe this is partly why is because when he did sin he got right, and we want we want uh, everybody to get right we we want uh, we want our heart to be right, and so this is just very uh, sobering things and um, anyway I, I hope you'll uh, memorize this verse this week. Now next week we won't be in here because we'll be in the sanctuary. So two weeks from this morning, we'll probably pick back up with chapter 6. But m- make sure uh, you grab some tracks and uh, read the track. It, it was helpful for me. Uh, I, I got some tracks that I didn't, I hadn't ever given before. And it, it was good to just sit there and read one this week myself. And uh, I gave it to a guy. I, we went ahead. Uh, we had uh, we had pizza last night, and uh, I picked it up and and I asked the guy his name that gave me the pizza. I said, "Can you read this?" I said, "The Lord changed my life." I said, "He'll change your life too." And and I could tell the guy in his eyes. He looked. I mean, it, it touched him. And there's cars waiting on me. And uh, but there was just a moment there. I knew that guy. Knew that I cared about him. And so uh, do that this week. Uh, yeah. Any any other thoughts? If not, thank you for coming, Christina. And uh, hopefully you'll come back in a couple weeks. And uh, but Mark, thank you and bringing your lovely wife. And why don't you pray for you? Does this uh, make you think of ministry in the jail or uh, how to better communicate the gospel? Because I know that's your heart. Uh, Maybe get an opportunity to kind of play that for yeah. And... Yeah. So, we'll pray for us, brother, and we'll we'll go into main service here. Father, we are grateful uh, for the chance to get together this morning as family, because uh, we have an opportunity to understand um, what our role is in, in sharing the gospel, how important that is, and, and frankly, how it's not an option. It's something we want to do. We're all called uh, to be faithful in doing that. So, Father, give us thanks. And give us opportunities and help us to recognize those opportunities um, so that we can tell people about the, the good news about Jesus and what He has been the greatest thing in my life. And we won't be in theirs. We just need to understand that. Lord bless us as we go out. Bless Jeremy with his, his health issues and really everybody else who is struggling with various things. Um, bless the service as we, we go in there. And uh, this week, help us Lord, to be faithful and sharing our faith and looking for opportunities. And most of all, shining brightly. Amen. Destiny, thank you for coming. It's always good to see you. Hey, Destiny, do you know that? Do you know the person that took their life, or do you know the person that died? Do you know the person that died that killed him? You didn't know. Shut this off. 
Yes, I thought of it as I was sitting down. You want that, Jim? Stretchy pants, huh? Yeah, no one's noticed that. I did. <laughs> Stretchy pants. I wanted to write on the notes. You probably should bring some things. Like your sin nature. I even said a couple weeks ago, everybody looked. Makes a good thought. I wrote it down wrong. So he's bringing stretchy pants. That's his thing he signed up for. Yeah. yeah. It's it's the, it's like the stretchy pants. I took a picture of it just in case anybody says, hey, what did I sign up for? So it makes me wonder if people aren't really reading it because no one's catching it. Well, I kind of wanted to know like what other people are bringing so I know what to bring. But so you caught it? Yeah. Did, yeah I said you're bringing stretchy pants. Maybe you should bring some other too. Every week. <laughs> I hadn't noticed it before today. <laughs> you didn't give me more of these out. So. Oh, I didn't, did I? Hey, do you have those cards? I'm going to order them this week. Is that the ones? The reason I don't I have them is I'm a loser. That's my excuse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no argument. <laughs> I, I didn't read it. Uh, my book enough in advance. Yeah. Good for you. I That's took a picture it. of it just off the video. Oh, just go on the website. Google it. I'm going to order some. Are, did you look on the website? I need to order a couple no, more books, Googled too. It. Okay. You know, you could probably... Uh, take it off of there and then go get the Avery thing from Walmart and print it. Yeah. Because it'll sit, it'll, all you do is go on the Avery I said it's probably easier for us just to order because we don't, for him to do that would take hours probably. I do need to, to order a few more books so I have it. There are just so many things to think about. I made myself just, a note, so I will do it. Hey, uh, do you want me to take that recorder? And I've got two weeks to get them. Is it still going? No, I shut it off. Okay, do I, I'm going to the office. Yeah. What do I need to label it? Uh, Way of the Master, Chapter 5. All right, hand it over. Oh, gosh, I'm on a wide load here. It's hard to get through.